The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, for those who saw the announcements of our show this week on the Paracast forums, I will say right now that we're not talking to Brian Young about boxing, except for one aspect, Brian, and that is I once had a conversation many, many, many years ago with Muhammad Ali. Well, are you jealous yet? I'm very jealous. I only had the pleasure of meeting the champ a couple times, and it was fairly late into the stages of his affliction. This was in the 70s when he was at his prime, and I asked him about his UFO sighting. Yeah, he was very adamant about that. Oh, yeah. So that was the one time, and I got... To talk to him, courtesy of a friend, a former friend, because he's no longer around, of Tim's and myself, Tim Beckley, who knew Ali. That's how I met the wonderful Tim Schwartz through Mr. UFO himself, Tim Beckley. Ah, yes. Now, looking at your background here, Brian Young, do you ever get into UFO studies, or are you more focused on boxing and Victorian crime? Okay, so here's the thing. I grew up in the 70s. So I grew up in the greatest era of paranormal research and television series and in search of, to me, Leonard Nimoy is in search of not Star Trek. I know that's going to bother you. (laughs) You know, all those great documentaries on UFOs and Bigfoot, and I became obsessed with the paranormal as a kid and then went to work in my late teens, early 20s for the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, the original psychop. So I went on the other end of it in my early 20s, but always maintained a fascination in all things paranormal and strange. So you worked for the opposition, in other words. I wasn't a field researcher for them. I mean, it was my late teens. I worked in their mailroom. But yes, technically I worked for, uh, for them. You were one of them. <laughs> I was, and it was great being one of them because I got to meet people like Carl Sagan and Daniel Cohen and Isaac Asimov. So, yeah, working for them was pretty cool. Well, Isaac Asimov, I met him at some sci-fi conventions, and he was so much fun. You think this guy's a serious writer, and he gets on there, and he's the life of the party when he lectures. Or did lecture, because he's not doing it unless you have a Ouija board to contact him. (laughs) Yeah, well... Even then, he you know he messes with. You. 
Yeah, and even then he might mess with you a little bit. Uh, okay, so when did you leave Psycop and become a member of the dark side? Excuse me, the dark side. Well, I've never been on either side. I am a skeptic, um, wholehearted skeptic, but not a debunker. I have a fascination with the paranormal, but tend not to have ever had anything that made me believe in it, but love it. I, I've had one, what you could call UFO sighting, but I don't think of it as a UFO. Uh, everybody else I've told it to does. So I, I'm a historian and I'm a researcher. And, you know, like you said earlier in the introduction, uh, Victorian crime, Victorian poverty, boxing history, um, I put out a book uh, last year on pro wrestling history, which is not one of my specialties, but the wrestlers, wrestlers, masters of the craft of professional wrestling, available at all fine booksellers. You can um, get that. But one of the things that always fascinated and interested me was still UFOs, cryptids, the paranormal. So when I started hosting my own history podcast, I started mixing it in a little bit. Mixing in some, uh, mixing in some hard, serious history, some you know uh, paranormal stuff. So I, I don't know if you could say I'm on either side. I'm the, um, I'm the neutral skeptic. It certainly keeps you out of trouble. I'll tell you that. It does, and it's so much fun being the neutral skeptic because I have really upset some people in the paranormal world. And then I've upset some skeptics. I've gotten hate mail from both sides, and that's that's an accomplishment. You are, as they say, an equal opportunity offender. Absolutely. <laughs> that's how. That's why I'm friends with Tim Schwartz. Okay, let me just focus then on something here. From the paranormal, UFOs particularly, how did you get to Victorian crime? Ah, like I said, growing up in the 70s, in 1988, I was the perfect age for someone to become obsessed with a topic. And it happened to be the 100th anniversary of the Jack the Ripper murder. So there were documentaries in books and radio shows, and it was everywhere. And I was at that age where it just, I absorbed it all, and it became this lifelong fascination and obsession. And most people who get into I don't like to call it ripperology. I hate that term. It almost sounds like you're glorifying the killer when that's not what it's about. When you get into that, you start learning about Victorian history and the poverty of the area of the time and how the greatest city in the world had the poorest sections of the world. And you just get sucked into that Victorian English period and you start Hopefully, as most people grow, they develop other interests and they they spread their wings a little bit. And that's where my fascination with history spread out from there. The boxing thing is because I remember being four years old, four years old. And my father and his father and a friend of his were at the house watching a fight. And I was just riveted. I've never, never seen anything like it. And from that day on, I was a huge boxing. Even when I was a history nerd. Just a quick question. It may be personal. 
I assume this is not your day job. <laughs> You're telling me I'm bad at it, huh? <laughs> no. Um, I would love my day job to be a historian. And I think most people out there who are historians and writers can tell you, you really it's really tough to make a living at it. I work a day job, unfortunately. And then I spend all my waking hours doing research and writing and, uh, you know, doing my show. But I, I, I just, I have a constant thirst for knowledge. And the paranormal is part of that because it's, it's questions you can't answer. You just don't know. And you can always learn something more about it. You can't just outright deny everything. That's what I hate about the debunkers. A skeptic looks for answers. A debunker is not a skeptic. So what is the day job? I'm not clear. Oh, my day job is I, I work for a Fortune 100 company. <laughs> I don't know if I should talk about them on the air. Probably. They may not like it. No, they probably wouldn't. It's an office job. It, it's a very normal, very serious office job. So by day, you are a normal working guy trying to make a buck in this very crazy, screwed-up world. By night, you become a paranormal researcher. You notice how it goes down an octave. A paranormal oh, researcher. Yeah, I, uh, by night, he befriends people like Tim Beckley. Well, listen, it's a way to keep out of trouble, I'll tell you that. I want to ask you about our fascination with serial killers in general and the legends or the reality behind Jack the Ripper in our next segment and what attracted you to the subject, other, of course, than Victorian crime and oh, everything yeah. like that. We've got Brian Young joining us, and this is going to be a show that focuses away on things we've normally done. Tim Swartz is our co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Stock market have you nervous with massive fluctuations? With the impact of inflation and the upcoming midterm elections, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you won't have to guess. Text MONEY to 813-813 to find out how you can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. 
text the word money to 813813 and find the consistency and confidence you've been looking for in your trading. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to get in or out of a trade. Text money to 813813. We'll send you a link to our free live training. Protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting the word demo, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and text using automated technology or pre-recorded voice about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition of purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text money to 813-813. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs, like the ones that cause Lyme disease. Mice searching for food can spread bacteria that makes us sick. Mosquitoes lay eggs in standing water and can spread West Nile virus and more. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home, leaving behind allergens that can trigger asthma attacks. Common pests can threaten our health. Learn how to protect your family at pestworld.org. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better. Have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite, and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW, need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie, it works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC, great product, has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E.com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Maybe we should have here Tim do some kind of fake British accent if we're going to cover Victorian crime. But then that accent may be a crime. True. <laughs> Brian Young is our guest, and he, amongst other things, covers boxing, covers the paranormal, covers Victorian crime. We have a fascination in general with serial killers. Is there a reasoning behind that? No. Personally, I blame my mother. And no, my mother was not a serial killer. But my mother uh, was a true crime fan. And I grew up and my mother was always reading true crime books and watching true crime specials on TV. 
the dark side fascinates people. And serial killers are about as dark side as you can get. There are people who just focus in on all forms of serial killers and will just learn everything about them and become obsessed with them and get into serial killer culture. Um, in fact, there's a great filmmaker, John uh, Bukowski, out of Chicago, who's made several documentaries about historical serial killers, and he did a TV series called Serial Killer Culture, which talks about people's obsessions and fascination. To me, it's the unsolved crimes that fascinate me. It's, I think it's the researcher in me that wants to find the answers to these riddles which I think is what a lot of paranormal researchers are into. They want answers that we don't know. So for me, I am far more interested in a crime like the Jack the Ripper killings than I am about Ted Bundy or, or John Wayne Gacy or people that were contemporaries that, you know, I remember them getting arrested or, or Jeffrey Dahmer. To me, it's the mystery. It's the riddle. It's who was this? Why did it happen? So, personally, that's my reason for being interested in the topic. As far as other people, look, the dark side of life is appealing. And we, we're fascinated by what scares us. Why? That's why horror movies are such a big deal in, in society and always have been. Now, when it comes to horror movies, just as our listeners know, I prefer the ones with atmosphere rather than trying to gross you out with blood and gore. So the old Universal films. I mean, people were frightened in those days over Dracula, which is so tame by comparison. But you know what's going to happen. You can see in your mind's eye what's going to happen, but you never see it on the screen. And the same thing is true with Frankenstein's monster. The Wolfman, hmm, you did see him take a bite out of people. You just didn't see all the gore. And, and and that's the thing they were they were they were atmospheric. Your mind had to think. I love old horror radio drama. Um, I'm a big radio drama fan. Old radio shows, not just dramas, but detective shows, crime uh, shows, horror anthologies. I love them because you become the director. Your brain fills in all those gaps and details. And you're right, movies that just throw everything at you, they might be fun to watch while eating popcorn and laugh, but, you know, you forget about them. Remember, radio is the theater of the mind. And it is. That's not the main reason why we don't have a video version of this show. The main reason is that I have a face for radio, so it suits me. I do, too. Isn't it wonderful? My podcast is audio only, even though I have the video capability, because no one wants to look at this mug. Well, your mother does, I assume. Yeah, but remember, she's a true crime fan. Ah, uh, okay. Let's go to Jack the Ripper. Was there really a Jack the Ripper, or was that all stuff of fiction? I believe there was a Jack the Ripper. I understand the theories that there wasn't. A lot of people believe it was a... The media made it up. Well, the media made up Jack the Ripper. Um, you know, I, I don't believe there was a letter written claiming to be from Jack the Ripper to the press. I believe, you know, pretty innovative journalists made that up because it's a name that stuck with us over 100 years. 
pretty intelligent, pretty uh, pretty brilliant. But yes, I do believe there was a killer in the East End of London in 1888, in the autumn of 1888, who I believe is responsible for the death of at least four people, possibly up to seven. Um, most people assume there were five that are called the canonical five. They're the ones uh, most people agree on. I agree on four of them. And I think, yeah, I think there was a killer, which now we would call a serial killer. It wasn't a term that was used then. That was active in the poorest sections of London in each targeting. I, I, I don't, I also don't like to use the word, like I said, a ripperologist. I don't like to use prostitute. When everyone says, you know, he targeted prostitutes, well, yes and no. In your mind, when you hear the term prostitute, you think of a professional, you know, a lady of the evening, someone who does this for a living. These were not professional prostitutes. These were people that were so poor and destitute that they were selling themselves so they could pay rent money for the night or so they could eat. Um, the conditions were so terrible, most of them were alcoholics. They'd make money and spend it on booze and then have to go back out for pennies so they could have a bed at night or something to eat. So I don't like to refer to them as prostitutes because the wrong impression. They really were these very unfortunate women who were in a terrible situation, and it, it made Jack's work easy. Sort of like today, where prostitutes are easy prey, it was even easier then because these weren't even prostitutes. These were essentially destitute homeless people. Very easy prey for, um, for a killer. And I believe what we know of today as the serial killer was born then. So you could say they were sex workers out of necessity it rather was than necessity. to enrich themselves. Yes, it was necessity, not, um, I hate to even say a career choice, but it was more of a necessity. Now, that's who he targeted. Sure. Now, it's normal, unfortunately, in this society for people to be murdered. And somebody who exposes themselves on the street, I don't mean without clothing, I mean, is present on the street for extended periods of time, may be a target. By someone. So at what point do we look at the Jack the Ripper stories and decide this is a serial killer? This is somebody who is seeking for whatever reason to do away with these women. At what point does it become a more involved episode rather than, for example, just an occasional crime that could have many, many different causes. We're going to find out more about the legends and reality of Jack the Ripper with Brian and Tim and Gene. You're in the podcast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. 
Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. USA Radio News. Police in Chesapeake, Virginia, released the note written by Andre Bing sometime before he fatally shot six people at the Walmart where he worked before turning the gun on himself. The gun used during the Tuesday night incident was purchased legally. Adobe says $9.12 billion was spent online during Black Friday, setting a new record. Sales were up overall on the first day of the holiday shopping season. Early voting has begun in Georgia, with all eyes on the Senate race between Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock and Republican challenger Herschel Walker. Award-winning actress and singer Irene Cara has died at her Florida home. The voice behind fame and flash dance What a Feeling was 63 years old. The World Cup is bringing record viewership to Spanish-language broadcasts on Telemundo and the streaming service Peacock. Mexico's win Tuesday was the most streamed World Cup game in U.S. history. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Americans have the most colorful language in the world, and that vibrant language is our basis for thinking in big ways, new ways, efficient ways, and better ways. Americans have freedom of speech. The pairing of our colorful language and freedom of speech has made us the people and the nation that we are today. Imagine what it would be like not having the freedom to speak our minds, communicate our thoughts and ideas, and hear those from others. Americans have a passion for and yearn for the truth. There are those who want to destroy our freedom and right to hear the truth. The truth is under attack. GCN is under attack. I'm asking our fellow broadcasters and you to rise up and help us defend our right to free speech. Would you like to join us? Please consider visiting SaveGCN.com. Please help us bring you the truth 24 hours per day. I'm Vincent Finelli. Hi, this is 
is Tracy Tormey, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Brian, before we go on with Jack the Ripper, is there anything paranormal about this? Or if this guy existed, he was just a killer? Personally, I believe he was just a killer. There are people who tend to think there were some more esoteric things involved, like maybe he was looking for the elixir of life, maybe, you know, the whole woo-woo stuff. But no, it was he, he was a serial killer who was targeted. Okay, at what point then... Do we think that there is one person involved rather than just some random killings? The the level of damage done to these victims, it grew with each case. And it was obviously were was mutilating. He was targeting a lot of people throughout history were claiming they were sex crimes, but I don't think they were because it wasn't a targeted sex crime. It was almost more of a trophy crime. What do you mean by trophy crime? He was taking different parts of the body. He was exposing the bodies. He was posing them in a way. He was eviscerating them. It was meant to create shock and awe. And there were missing parts of each body. Well, wasn't, um, wasn't there one newspaper that uh, actually received a, uh, a, a portion of one of the victim's uh, liver through the mail? Actually, it was a kidney. Uh, kidney, yeah. okay. And it wasn't a newspaper. It was the head of the vigilance committee which was like um, a community watch group, for lack of a better term. You know, a bunch of people who decided we're going to go out and we're going to patrol the streets. The head of that group got a kidney sent to him, half of a kidney, with a letter saying the other half he'd fried and eaten, and it was from the dead woman. Well, mm-hmm. the dead woman's kidney was missing. Unfortunately, in 1888, we couldn't verify if it was... Um, a man or woman's kidney, we couldn't verify if it was that person's kidney. The medical technology didn't exist. A lot of people, there are people that think it was a sick prank um, from a newspaper guy to get more attention. If any of the correspondence and letters were legit, that's probably the one. Because, you know, there was a kidney attached and wouldn't be too surprising that a guy who was killing people like this would might have eaten part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect just uh, just anybody to be, you know, posting parts of kidneys. <laughs> no, and <laughs> at no, that time period. <laughs> yeah, this is this isn't like you know rapid mail service either. It might have stunk by the time it. But there was half of a human kidney set in a package. To George Lusk. Was that the, that was the one that was uh, uh, it started to hell from Mr. Lusk to from yes. hell to Mr. Lusk? Yes. Yes, from hell. And Mr. and the, there were other letters that were sent 
to to other people, the, the reporters. I I think that actually the writer called himself uh, uh, Jack the Ripper. But I know that as time has gone by, there's been doubt cast that these were legitimate, you know, from from the actual source. Yeah, there were hundreds, actually. There was a phenomenal book that was put out a few years back. It's a coffee table book, huge book, uh, filled with the reprints of hundreds of these letters that were sent um, most people assume none of them were legitimate. If there was, it was probably the the, the from hell letter. And what was it about these cases? Now, you know, I'm, murder murder in London at that time was nothing new. What was it about these cases that that you know, really garnered all of the attention. And I'm I, sure that, you know, uh, 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 multiple murders, possibly by one individual, wasn't anything new either. I'm so glad you asked that question. Because it was, think of the time, it was 1888. The newspaper boom was happening. The masses were getting information in several languages, London was the largest city in the world with a huge influx of foreigners. There was mass panic that these foreigners were going to come. Sound familiar, people? Mm, yeah. These <laughs> foreigners are going to come to your home and they're going to start killing and raping and murdering and it's going to be terrible. And lo and behold, all of a sudden now. The, 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 the fact that this was a high-crime, high-poverty area is a little bit misleading when you think about murder because there weren't that many murders, especially that were this violent. So all of a sudden, media massively reports. It becomes, like we have today, a 24-hour news cycle. You're just inundated with it. The public is told about it. Newspapers around the world are picking this up and writing about it because, hey, there's this thing called the Telegraph. And the, the United States is printing articles about Jack the Ripper the day after the killings happen. It was a media explosion with paranoid people at the time being fed hatred about foreigners, which is, was one of the main theories for many years in London, was that it was these terrible foreigners coming in. And it was just a perfect storm. You're looking at mass media. You're looking at mass panic. You're looking at the telegraph. In a fairly literate society, so they could all read it. And if they couldn't, someone they knew would read it to them. And it just exploded. So what, what was the first... Uh what was the first case that you can safely assume could be attributed to to Jack? The first one. Okay. That's very tough to say because there was a case that's not considered one of the um, main five. Hmm. That, in retrospect, it looks like may have been Jack. But 
I would say if you want to be safe, the first victim that was more than likely Jack was Marianne Nichols. Mm-hmm. Followed by Annie Chapman. The next one was the night of the double event. Two murders in one night. Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes. The final killing of Mary Kelly. I'm one of the people in the camp that don't believe that was actually a Ripper victim. Mm. It doesn't fit the MO of the other ones. It was done indoors. She was much younger than the other victims. Um, granted, a lot of people say it was much more brutal and horrid because he had time because he was indoors and he could do what he wanted. It, it seemed like a much more personal attack on someone. Whoever killed Mary Kelly, I believe, knew her. Uh, the Elizabeth Stride murder, the first of the double event, he was interrupted. Um, he had slit the woman's throat in an alley. A horse and buggy came into that alley and startled them. The horse even must have seen something because the horse was startled and ran. And when the guy put his lantern on, there was a woman. The, the wound was still bleeding. He didn't have time to do anything else. He went and found another victim to fulfill his. That's why right here with Brian, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. I need to pay bills. 
When is my tax refund coming? I need to pay my taxes. What are my payment options? I need to set up a payment plan. How do I do that? I need answers to my tax questions. Where can I find them? I need help with my taxes. Does the IRS offer free help? I need a tax preparer. How should I choose one? Need answers to your tax questions? Go to irs.gov. Medicaid and CHIP offer free or low-cost health coverage for children and teens. Hospital and doctor visits, prescriptions, shots, and more are covered. That's peace of mind for parents if a child is sick or gets injured. And parents may now be eligible for Medicaid, too, even if they've applied in the past. Enrollment is always open. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. We are exploring the legends and reality of Jack the Ripper, going back to Victorian London. And our special guest of the show is Brian Young. Let's continue, Brian. Go ahead. Sure. Where do you want me to pick up? You tell me. You ask no, me a question. No, finish up about the. Uh, um, you, you're talking about the uh, the interrupted crime. That one's gotten a lot of attention because not only was that one interrupted, but then somebody else was killed. Then later on that evening. Yes, later on that evening, Catherine Eddowes was killed. And the interesting thing is that Catherine Eddowes was actually killed in the city of London proper. So, that that murder, he jumped into a different police force. So, all the murders up to that point, including Elizabeth Stride, were um, the jurisdiction of the Metropolitan Police. Catherine Eddowes murdered under the jurisdiction of the City of London Police. Further complicating things, because to this day, when two police forces are working together, things get askew and they don't work well together. But that's the moment I think that night with the two was when people started putting together, this is one person. This is a serial killer. That's when the sensationalism started. That's when the legends and lore, and I'm sure that's when parents started telling kids all over the world, 
don't go out at night, Jack the Ripper will get you. It's when the legend was born, and it's stayed with us ever since then. All right, I want to I want to backtrack really quick. You had mentioned that there was a case that that's not part of the canon. There's when a I, few. When yeah. I, well, when I asked about you know what what could have been the first one, what what was what what was that case? I'm interested in that one. That was the case of a woman who was attacked and was brutalized, went to the hospital, actually survived that night, but died of her wounds later. So it's tough to say she didn't really give any information. It was brutal. It fit with the crimes, but she didn't die until later which doesn't fit with the M.O. of this killer, but this is first attempt and she got away. Most people who know serial killers, they tend to get worse. They learn from their mistakes. Which is why I think a lot of people still think that that last case that you would refer to, um, uh, where the woman was uh, was basically taken apart piece by piece in the uh, um, uh, room, is you know what was was a Jack the Ripper case, and there are photographs. Horrible! It, it, I don't recommend yeah. anybody look them up. Oh yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, uh, it's 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 amazing that in you know 1888 that there were photographs taken of this of this killing, and it's you know I mean you know very uh, very unique. With everything else that had been going on, you know, with with the Ripper killings. And that's another thing that that led to the fascination in this case. You're talking about the early days of photography. Mm -hmm. You have mortuary photos of the victims. You have crime scene photographs. This was, this had never happened to the public. We have never seen these things. Granted, they weren't made public at the time, but all the new technology added to these legends and lore. I, like I said, I don't believe the lad Mary Kelly was a ripper. I mean, he very well could have been. I don't claim to be the world's expert. Nobody is because we'll never know the answer. Actually, I take that back. There is one way we will find out for sure who Jack the Ripper was. Time trap. <laughs> the only way. When we get that time machine invented, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Well, over the years, okay, you've had all these different, you know, uh, researchers and authors. Everyone has a different idea on, on the identity of, of, of Jack the Ripper. I mean, what, what are the chances that he was somebody that nobody has ever considered? And, you know, I mean, has, he's just, you know, disappeared into history. The unknown local. Um, that's a very popular candidate. It makes sense if you think about it. You know, what are the odds that it just happens to be someone famous enough that we know? Right. There are certain, there are (laughs) hundreds of suspects over the years. Books have been written about several of them. Several that we can just completely and totally erase from the suspect list. They're just insane. 
for instance, did you know there is a theory that the Jack the Ripper was Joseph Merrick, the Elephant Man? No, I hadn't heard that one. And ironically, this is wonderful. Ironically, he is a much better suspect than 90% of the other suspects ever mentioned. Because he was there at that time in that neighborhood. Right across the street in the London mm. Hospital. Oh my gosh. He was there. He was there in 1888. So, he fits the profile better than a lot of suspects because he was there. <laughs> For instance, <laughs> you know, Prince Eddie. Uh, a lot of people love the royal conspiracy because it's such a sexy conspiracy. The royals were involved and the queen covered it. Except he wasn't in the country for most of the killings. And he is an alibi for the other ones. Yes, he's off the list, folks. <laughs> what about the what about the ideas that it uh, the, the person doing it um, appeared to have medical training? There's a, there, there's a lot of infighting. I'm sure in the paranormal world, you know what infighting is like between different fractions. No, not at all. No. <laughs> well, the Ripper world is exactly the same way. It's all infighting. How can you say there is infighting in the UFO field? When has there ever been, when has there ever not been infighting? I mean, I know. infighting is our middle name in this field. Although it does help us progress, doesn't it? Because we all want to prove the other one's wrong. But there's a lot of people who say, yes, there was anatomical knowledge. Other people say, no, he was literally a ripper. He was just ripping and cutting. Look, let's think about this logically. And like I said, I'm a skeptic, remember. I'm the first one to deny things if there's no evidence. He was removing organs from people within the matter of a few minutes in pitch black. There were no street lights. I mean, very minimal street lights. The street lights that were there at the time were terrible. And yet he was able to get the organs he wanted and eviscerate these people and do things to the bodies. Does that mean he was a doctor with anatomical knowledge? No, he could have been a pig slaughterer or a horse slaughterer or any other, you know, butcher. You know the general area. of Whoever it was, they knew what they were doing with the knife. I'll say that. Doctor, maybe, definitely knew what they were doing with a knife, and they had a base knowledge of anatomy. Who are some of the other uh, popular candidates that have been suggested over the years? Some of the biggest ones, Aaron Kosminski. In fact, Aaron Kosminski became really big and popular as a, as a suspect again recently because someone purchased a shawl that supposedly belonged to one of the victims that was at the crime scene. And for, you know, millions of pounds or whatever they paid for it. And then they had DNA analysis done on this shawl, and it found DNA belonging to the victim and Aaron Kosminski. Case closed! <laughs> because the shawl was never at the crime scene. Everything at these crime scenes was meticulously documented. This shawl would have been a very expensive piece of clothing. The woman who the shawl was hawked her husband's work boots the night before so they could pay rent. She's not going to be wearing, you know, a $1,000 shawl. B, the fabrics and materials used in said shawl 
were Edwardian, not Victorian. They came later. C, it had never been behind glass or taken care of, and it had been handled by thousands of people, and they were able to pull those two strains of DNA off it. Ironic. Also, those DNA tests were never peer-reviewed, never double-blind checked, never even tested at a second lab. Hey, let's do more of this. The evidence for Jack the Ripper with Gene and Brian and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The evidence for Jack the Ripper being discussed by Brian Young, who is taking his time to learn the facts behind the legend. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I was talking about this theory shawl with the DNA of Aaron Kosminski. Sure, you can pull up anything you want without a peer-reviewed test or without double-checking your results. I'm not saying they're lying. I'm just saying the media might have reported on things that weren't complete. Go figure. When's that ever happened? Uh, other great prominent suspects, Montague John Druitt, who was a barrister and a teacher, who 
family claimed he was the Ripper after he had killed himself. The problem is, he was a cricketer who was out of town on some of the events. And the reason his family may have believed he was the Ripper is because they may have also believed he was what at the time was called of, of deviant mind, euphemism for gay. And if someone was a homosexual, obviously they were capable of committing a murder in Victorian mindsets. <laughs> so nothing about Druitt makes sense. Other than, you know, the families. We think he might have done it because he was obviously sick enough. There's a very interesting suspect, and I say this, and it's going to sound like I'm just trying to promote myself, but I'm not. But there's a very interesting suspect called Dr. Francis Tumblety, who's a quack physician. Born in Ireland, but raised in America. He's an Indian herb doctor. He claimed at different points in his life to be of uh, nobility. He claimed to be the son of a prominent doctor. He claimed to be a surgeon. He claimed to be um, the surgeon for Abraham Lincoln. He rode his horse into the Lincoln inauguration parade once. A very crazy character. He also was very twisted, sick man. We have evidence he had threatened people by saying you should be disemboweled like the whores. He was known to hold knives to people's throats. He was in London with an office during all of the killings. He was arrested uh, on gross indecency and skipped bail right after the last killing to come back to New York. Scotland Yard sent detectives following him. Gross indecency was basically a sodomy charge. I don't think Scotland Yard's going to spend the money to send two detectives to watch him overseas and chase him down over a sodomy charge. He remained a suspect. Three top Scotland Yard officials had named him as a top suspect. He, by all evidence, was starting to suffer from tertiary syphilis at the time, going mad, getting crazier and more wild and reckless. He had an absolute hatred of women. And there's about a hundred other things that make him a very, very likely suspect. Do I think that means he was Jack the Ripper? No idea. I think he's the likely suspect. I think he was there. He makes sense. He fits the profile. But I will never say with 100% accuracy it was him because we have no way of knowing for sure. I, I did assist in the research on two books about Tumblety, and there's a third in the works. If you'd like, uh, after the show's over, I can give you the detail of that author, maybe get him on to do an entire episode on Tumblety because he's worth an entire episode, believe me. I just scratched the surface. He was also arrested in uh, in the conspiracy, the Lincoln assassination, by the way, as if the story doesn't get more interesting. Hmm. Oh, yeah, he was friends with John Wilkes Booth, too. Hung out with him in Buffalo, New York. Would you like more? There's so much on Tumblr. He's such a great character. <laughs> Inter- that, yeah, that's, that's, uh, he's an interesting character, isn't he? He is. I, I suggest you guys uh, reach out. I'll get you the information for uh, Michael Hawley. Probably the leading tumble tea expert in the world. 
think he knows more about Tumblety than Tumblety's family did, and that's scary. Out of out of everybody, everybody that you know was was looked into. Did Scotland Yard uh, ever have a favorite? Different people at Scotland Yard had different favorites. Mm-hmm. There was one Scotland Yard official who actually had said Kosminski. Do we know the man Aaron Kosminski? No. But he, cl- he also claimed that that Kosminski was gone, arrested. The only Kosminski, then the reason we think Aaron Kosminski is because the only Kosminski we could find who was put in an asylum at that point was this Polish barber named Aaron, who apparently was relatively calm. Um, his worst bit of madness was he, you know, heard voices that were able to eat food out of the gutter. Doesn't necessarily make you a serial but <laughs> I think Tumblety um, was considered a very likely suspect by some, and then there were some others that were considered suspects again because of the time. We didn't have profiling; we didn't know as much about human behavior. You know, there were people who were being arrested for crimes such as this because they were homosexual. Because if you're deviant enough to be a homosexual, you're deviant enough to hack people up. And that's disgraceful, and I'm so glad we've advanced beyond that thinking. Unfortunately, we don't know for sure who they all agree on, and a lot of the records were destroyed. (laughs) There was one suspect, and I'm not... I'm not going to be, I can't remember the name or anything like that, but it was somebody who had immigrated, I think, to the United States and then was, uh, for other reasons, was sent to the gallows, and, uh, and and this just could be an anecdotal story, you know, has... As the floor gate went out from underneath him, he started to yell, I'm Jack the... Yeah, I'm Jack the... <laughs> they were hanging him, yeah. Yeah. Um, could be urban legend. I have said that, but oh, there's so many wild theories. Sadly, we'll never know. Um, we'll just never know for sure, unless we get that time machine, like I said. So get your DeLorean out of the garage. We gotta, we we gotta get back to 1888. But. If we get that time machine up and running, can we please stop in 1921st? That's something I've been fascinated about. Oh, okay. What what happened in 1920? In 1920, in my beloved hometown area, which is the I'm from the greater Western New York area, okay. um, Buffalo, Tonawanda area in Ooh. North Tonawanda, New York. And just uh, just as we're doing this show, they're now under like what about two or three miles of, uh, of snow. Yeah, I uh, I had to climb the snowbanks just to get to my computer today. <laughs> I was lucky. I'm in the section of the town that didn't get hit that bad. But just up the road, there is eight feet of snow. Whew. <laughs> in the summer of 1920, North Tonawanda, New York, may have had its own Mothman. Really. Yeah, believe it or not, as Ripley would say. Okay, now I don't think I've ever heard this story before. 
It's it's not very well known. Um, I stumbled upon this. There's a, there's a local historian and paranormal researcher in the Buffalo area named Mason Winfield. I recommend people to pick up his books, watch his stuff on YouTube. He's a really fun paranormal historian. And he did a series about strangest things in this area, and one of them was this thing called the 1920 Incident, in which there was a Mothman-like saying, I love cryptids. Love cryptids! Hey guys, let's do our break here, and we'll have a lot more to talk about with the one and only, except no substitutes, okay? Brian Young with Gene and with Tim, you're in. The Pentecost! Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience, so I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I had thought my bowel and related organs were working well enough. I used an herbal laxative and magnesium sulfate about once a week when my bowels had a day when they went on vacation. After the second day of using Green Meadow Whey, I discovered that I was in denial about my bowel functioning. I now have two to three easy, comfortable, and healthy bowel movements a day. The same is true for my children, ages 8, 13, and 15, all of which admitted to having significantly improved bowel function when asked. On a Google keyword search, the words constipation, stool softener, and laxative combined are searched up to 3 million times per month. Constipation is a silent epidemic in America, and most people are either in denial or do not want to admit to it. Over the years, Green Meadow Way has helped several other people have their bowels move again in an optimal manner. For the feeling of a clean intestinal tract and flat abdomen, see if Green Meadow Way can help you. Call. 888-988-3325 that's 888-988-3325 or visit bestwayprotein.net that's bestwayprotein.net What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's just a few. Amazon customer, five stars. Honestly, this stuff works. Nick, easy to take capsules. For those who can't handle the liquid drops, easy to take Extendivite capsules do the same job. Karoka Fam, works great. Like Extendivite very much. Seems to work as advertised. Thanks. Arlene, five stars. Love this product, Extendivite. Terry W., 
five stars. Can't say enough. Great product. Freya, five stars. I just ordered another. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. GCN's policy is open forum avoiding censorship. Defense costs for words spoken outside of our control supersede the ability to deliver voices to this important talk platform. The First Amendment is the foundation of our core values. Cancel culture is silencing voices regardless of perspective. Freedom to speak is in the balance. Support the legitimacy of speech itself. Consider donating to SaveGCN.com. That's SaveGCN.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Taking it seriously, looking at the ins and the outs of the infamous Jack the Ripper case, which turns out, Brian says, to be real. Now, to this day, we have theories, but to this day, do we know who did the deed? Really? No. And we never will, unless we get that time machine. Yeah, but that way, you've got uh, all these books that can be written where everybody's, uh, uh, you know, trying to prove their point on their own favorite Exactly. We have a mystery that will be ongoing as long as time goes on because sadly, physical evidence is all gone. There's no DNA evidence we can... We, there's everything that we pretty much think we have that we could find about it, we have. Unless in someone's attic we find it, you know, Something someone wrote that says, hey, you know, I killed these people at this time and they give details. It's not going to happen. They thought that happened with a diary that was found several years ago, but I believe that's a hoax, too. So sadly, we'll never know for sure. We can have strong speculation, but we'll never know. So beware anybody who ever says case. I think, was that the diary that uh, the author, who's it, uh, Patricia Cornwell? Cornwell? Well, no, she, uh, Patricia Cornwell. Yeah had a very interesting theory about the artist Walter Sickert. That's it. That's one. Being the killer. And I give her a lot of credit because she got interested in this case. She latched onto a theory that I, I find ridiculous and a lot of people in the in, in the Ripper world find ridiculous. But a lot of other people buy into it because that's the nature of this kind of crime since we don't know. And Patricia decided to spend a lot of her own money and a lot of her time and her star power to research this and really look into it. And she got bastard by the Ripper community. They hated her. She is persona non grata. And I never understood that because all she wanted to do was try to find the answer, which is all we were ever trying to do. She was just a lot more famous and more rich than all of us. I think Kelsey had a lot to do with that. I think it was because she was an outsider. 
coming in, uh, you know, in, into already established territory. Welcome. That's what I say. Give me a fresh set of eyes. I believe it. I want the truth. I want to know what happened. If you want to give me a fresh set of eyes, I welcome it. Well, that's just it, though. I mean, you know, she did a lot of really good good work, though I think that, you know, she had already come to a conclusion. and That's was, the problem. Yes. And was trying to, you know, find the evidence to support that conclusion rather than, you know, <laughs> going into it with uh, an open mind. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that when she put out her second edition, she corrected a lot of her mistakes in it. And what she did, and a lot of people, you kind of have to be on the inside of this world to know, she went out and sought out two of the most knowledgeable people in the world on this case and asked them to come on and help her correct her mistakes. She put on her big girl pants, she admitted where she was wrong, and she went and got the best. And and I admire that. People don't want to give her credit for that. People hate me in that community too. So that's <laughs> no, but see, that's the uh, that's the earmarks of a good uh, a good researcher, though, is uh, you know somebody willing to you know own up to their mistakes and try to correct them and and, and continue on. How many people who have lambasted or actually went to the trouble to read that second book? None. And and, you're, right. and you know you you mentioned something earlier. Him that was the problem with her initial book and her theory was that she went in with a theory and worked backwards to connect the dots outwardly. You can't do history like that because you're going to make excuses for things that don't necessarily line up. You're going to, and 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 most people are guilty of that. They want something to be so tr- so true that they'll they'll forgive that. Oh, it doesn't really add up, but we'll go with it because two and two can be three, right? (laughs) (laughs) So that's the problem with working backwards. Question I have as we explore the possibilities of this is that we can't even agree on what happened yesterday. Check the news. We can't agree on what happened yesterday. There'll be different versions from different news sources. So now we're looking at something that happened what, 125, 130 years ago, whatever it was, and we're trying to find the real facts behind it, how is that going to be possible? Um, and, 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 and the other thing is, like you said, we can't, we can't know what was real yesterday, read the news. You can't trust newspaper reports always on things. Anybody who's researched things knows that, sadly. They're a good guideline, and if you can find things that match up, that's one thing. But you're talking about sensationalist journalism. So there's, it's going to be really tough. But it keeps the, it, it's a mystery that we'll never know. That's why it's so intriguing to people. That's why we still want to look. We still want to dig for everything. The thing that's interesting to me, too, in terms of that era, in this country, in America, particularly, Newspapers tried to outdo each other for circulation, and they made up stories, and that makes it all the more difficult, for example, to find out the real facts behind the 1897 airship sightings, because you have to separate the fakery from the reality. Did British newspapers have that same proclivity? Oh, of course. Absolutely. They... 
No, they, um, <laughs> I, I, I think that's the one constant. Journalists, sensational journalists tend to be the same. Because it's a business. They're selling a newspaper. I'll, I'll tell you something funny I learned throughout through my research of that time. In London in 1888, people were fascinated with the American West, the Wild West. And they had these Wild West shows, and they would write these newspaper articles about these Wild West shows coming straight from the American West, and this is what they do for entertainment there. But in America, in the West, at that same time, the most popular theater was Shakespeare. Hmm. The most popular drink at Western bars was not sarsaparilla or whiskey. We found menus from these places. It was gin fizzies. <laughs> the drink of the cowboy was the gin fizzy. Well, you always wondered here, too. You have these hard-drinking criminals, these hard-drinking marshals. And as soon as they got up there and they had to do a shootout, they had to pull out their gun from the holster and shoot the other guy. They were perfect. Clint Eastwood never missed anyone. <laughs> he was always perfect. Never missed a shot. The guy was so perfect. But he also drank things in the course of it. But then, listen, we've got Brian and Gene and Tim. You're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. USA Radio News. Huawei and ZTE are no longer allowed to sell communications equipment in the United States. The FCC voted unanimously to approve the new rule. It's also restricting the use of some China-made video surveillance equipment. Police in Chesapeake, Virginia, released a so-called death note written by the gunman Andre Bing sometime before he fatally shot six people at the Walmart where he worked as a supervisor before turning the gun on himself. The gun used during the Tuesday night incident was purchased legally. Adobe says $9.12 billion was spent online during Black Friday. The analytics company says expect more money to be spent over the course of this weekend. Award-winning actress and singer Irene Cara has died at her home in Florida. The voice behind fame and flash dance was 63 years old. We're online at USARadio.com. You are listening to USA Radio News.
Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we're getting here to try to figure out what really happened in the late 19th century in Victorian England about Jack the Ripper. What if it was all, at the end of the day, something that was made up? They took a few cases and they made up this legend and there could never be a reality. Is that the possibility? It's absolutely a possibility. It is possible that there were murder victims uh, related to gang violence or just industrial accidents, whatever. There could have been just some angry murderer, you know, domestic disputes, and the press ran with it. I don't think so, though. I, I think in this case there was a serial killer, for lack of a better word. There was someone targeting these people in a vicious manner for reasons we don't know. We'll never know why he did it, or she. There are people who say there was a Jill the Ripper, not Jack. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop the presses. A Jill the Ripper instead of a Jack the Ripper. Why would anyone think that? I mean, I could see it being a possibility. Well, you know, one of the people who famously said there could have been it could have been a woman was Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm. Yes, the author of Sherlock Holmes himself would have said 
You know, it would have been very easy for a midwife to walk through the streets of London covered in blood without anybody noticing her. And a conspiracy is born. Plus, a midwife would know where all the organs are, too. True. So, there have been people over the years who believed it it could have been a woman. I believe there was a killer. Maybe Maybe it could have been two people working together. Probably not. That targeted these unfortunate people, eviscerated them, and were either caught or killed. Or escaped and went even crazier if it was dumb. But there was definitely violent crime in the area. Could the media have overhyped it? Yes. But we do have enough of these reports from the police in the mortuary photos to show that this was not your run-of-the-mill murder. There was something to How wide an area did these things occur? In that very restricted area or in other places? Of these canonical five, we're all in east end of London. In um, probably a couple square mile area. I could actually pull up a map and tell you the exact, but that would involve you hearing me type, and that's really embarrassing because I'm a slow typer. (laughs) But but they were really close together. Absolutely. It was... um, Primarily in Spitalfields and Whitechapel uh, were the two little districts in the east end of London where this happened. Within blocks of each other. So the killer doesn't like to walk very far. No. Um, Or, you know, you're doing these crimes at night with heavy police presence after the first couple murders. In fact, the night of the double event, the second murder, which took part in Mitre Square, which was kind of an open park square area, the murder and evisceration and mutilation was done probably within a 10-minute time frame Mm. because we have the reports of the police that were patrolling the area of when the one checked in and then when the body was found. It was just a matter of few minutes in the pitch black that this happened. And because of researchers that are obsessed with this kind of thing, we have those reports. Those little minuscule things like the minutes of a police report of every 10 minutes on these nights. It's really amazing what we've been able to find over the years. Were there any possible uh, sightings, uh, descriptions of uh, uh, the perpetrator? Uh, there were. If we found, well, there were people who had reported seeing people, whether it was the killer or not. Mm-hmm. Um, there were eyewitness accounts that tend not to match between um, suspects. Uh, so we don't know. Uh, it's possible. I think the closest we came to someone seeing them was the the, the uh, Liz Stride murder in the alleyway that was interrupted. I think if if, if Louis Deemschutz, the cab driver, was carriage driver, was a minute or two earlier, he would have actually caught Jack in the end. They were that close. Unfortunate misses then. 
although not for the researchers. Because it's given us 130 years of, for lack of a better term, So were there other cases outside of London that occurred afterwards that some researchers have said, you know, these look an awful lot like ripper killings? There were. Um, there was uh, in the United States, as right. a matter of fact, in New York City. And ironically, one of the killings that uh, had been referred to in the press as a very Jack the Ripper-like killing, and the description of it as a very Jack the Ripper-like killing, happened within a few blocks of the office of uh, Dr. Francis Tumblefee. Hmm. So, again, there's that, there's that name again. He comes back into the picture all the time. But, yeah, there were, there were um, Ripper-like killings reported throughout different areas in uh, the United States, in Mexico, in Germany, um, in Australia. Now, a lot of that could be copycat killers. It could be, you know, but no, people are reading about these crimes, you know, sad to say, some people emulate them. So it's, it's tough to um, try to connect the dots there be great if we could but it's it's really difficult sadly there were in many countries river but they never got they never got the attention until after the ripper killings just because that became the uh the um I don't know. I don't know what you, what you would call uh, the, the 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 poster child of yellow journalism at the time. Well, exactly, and 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 ironically, there was a series of murders in London right after the Ripper killings hmm. that are called the Thames Torso Murders because they were finding torsos, just pretty brutal. But the Thames Torso Murder doesn't have doesn't roll off the tongue like Jack the Ripper. <laughs> I mean, it was, if you think about it, this was, this, like I said, most people believe it was a journalist who came up with the name and that, that letter that gave him the trade name, as he says in the letter. And it works. It, it just, it was a name that was to never be forgotten once it was uttered. You can't forget something like So, Gene, to your question, in a sense... Yeah, the media created the sensation, but the killing did happen. So our listeners are going to be really mad at us if we don't continue the story that we had started with uh, uh, a couple of breaks ago about the uh, 1920 uh, uh, cryptids. Oh, the Mothman sighting, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. We We need to continue with that. Yes, right, we well, can never we can never give up on the Mothman. No, because everywhere there's a Mothman in Illinois. There's a Mothman in a Chicago suburb, and certainly at Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And certainly we've got Brian and Tim and Jean. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Stock market have you nervous with massive fluctuations? With the impact of inflation and the upcoming midterm elections, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you won't have to guess. Text MONEY to 813-813 to find out how you can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 and find the consistency and confidence you've been looking for in your trading. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to get in or out of a trade. Text MONEY to 813-813. We'll send you a link to our free live training. Protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting the word DEMO, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and text using automated technology or pre-recorded voice about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition of purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text MONEY to 813-813. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits, view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. 
Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Exactly according to my plan. Okay, so Mothman didn't start in the 1960s in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. They started earlier. Brian, tell us more. So, like I said, in my hometown of the Tonawandas in western New York, and for those listening, Tonawanda is the northernmost tip of Erie County, which is where Buffalo is. Second largest city in New York State is Buffalo. North Tonawanda is the very first city in Niagara County, which is the county that contains Niagara Falls. The fourth largest city in the state. You know what happened? I'm corrupted. When I hear someone say Niagara Falls, I think of the old (laughs) vaudeville joke that Abner Costello would use. Right. Slowly I turn, step by... I don't want to hear that. Go ahead, please. (laughs) Inch by inch, but I'll continue. Well, Tonawanda, North Tonawanda, is is a pretty historic little community that most people have never heard of. It is, like like I said, the, the northern tip of Erie County, the southern tip of Niagara County. It's also where the Erie Canal ends. The Erie Canal, the man-made canal that linked the Atlantic Ocean to the Great Lakes. Via the Hudson River, the Erie Canal connected to the Great Lakes. Making all the trade and transport, that's why these cities built up so big at the time. That's why Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, Buffalo all became these booming cities. North Tonawanda at the time was the lumber capital of the world. Also, North Tonawanda is famous because they invented the carousel. Herschel Spillman carousel came from North Tonawanda, New York. And another product you might all have heard of, Wurlitzer. Of Wurlitzer organ and jukebox fame. North Tonawanda, New York. Well, in 1920, in the summer of 1920, there were several reports throughout the newspapers of this flying cryptid. They didn't call it that at the time, obviously. It was most commonly referred to at the time of a flying scarecrow. (laughs) Other people claimed it was um, a flying uh, Indian, Native American, which lended itself, as I'm sure you could tell by the name, Tanawanda, in North Tonawanda, this was native territory. Tonawanda is, um, is Seneca, or swift running water, is what the name means. It was part of the um, Iroquois, original five nations, was this area. So there were a lot of Native American legends and lore. And when this strange flying creature appeared over a period of 10 days. It wasn't just once. 
over a period of 10 days in the summer of 1920. Some people reported it had a headdress on, like a native. Other people reported it was a flying scarecrow that floated as much as it flew. My favorite report, and I love this one, the North Tonawanda Bicycle Group. <laughs> a group of people that were part of a bicycle club allegedly chased it down and surrounded it. They had it cornered, and it flew away, just lifted up in the air and flew away from them. Over the years, the descriptions people read realized, huh, the descriptions of this thing and its pattern are identical to a lot of the Mothman sightings, including those in Point Pleasant. So 1920, my hometown might have had the original Mothman. And I have been searching for everything I can find on this, which is very limited and very difficult to find. Just imagine Mothman, pre-Mothman. So did this thing have... Have wings like uh, the uh, uh, purported Mothman sightings? I mean, you, you've said it's, it was described as looking like a scarecrow or, or a Native American. I mean, feathers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that's reported as having feathers. Some people have reported, uh, like I said, of the reports, one of the people who filed a report was a policeman, believe it or not. Not saying that that makes it any more credible, but sounds good to say it. But. They, they report feathers uh, coming from either its head or its back. Hence why some people said, oh, it's, a, it's one of the uh, natives, one of the Native American chieftains or whatever with the headdress on. Other people just saw things sticking out of it and saw it as a scarecrow. Because, you know, in a lot of farm communities in the 20s, that's what it would look like to them. I, uh, I don't know what it was. I know that it did last 10 days. I know it was reported in several different papers, and several different people had claimed to see this. It didn't cause any harm, and nothing bad happened, but apparently it was a trickster, and it liked to swoon down on people. Um, it allegedly stopped all traffic in the area at times. The whole community would stop and see this thing. Then 10 days later, it was gone, never to return. Okay, since you're a former Psycop guy, let me ask the obvious question. Then, was the only source of information about the 1920 Mothman the newspapers of the day, or what? Unfortunately, yes. That's what makes it tough. I have not been able to find anything other than temporary newspaper, uh, newspaper accounts. I've been looking. I actually uh, mentioned a, a local author and researcher, Mason Winfield, who I've got to reach out to. I've got to reach out to him and see what other information he's been able to dig out over the years. Because I, I think it's an interesting thing to look into. N not whether or not this thing was real, but the fact that there were people seeing these things or thought they were seeing strange flying things into the as far back as the 20s. And, and, and what could it have been that they were seeing? It's fascinating. Do I think it was Mothman? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it was. But either way, it's a um, very interesting little tidbit of, of our history that no one ever talks about. It's not widely known. Even people in this area, when I say, 
you know, we had a Mothman sighting back in 1920. They all looked like <laughs> Now, you mentioned before that North Tonawanda was a center of certain products. Today, it's got a population of barely over 30,000. So has that manufacturing base mostly disappeared or what? Yeah, the, uh, the lumber industry is gone. Uh, the, you know, obviously the, the carousels aren't made here anymore. We still do have the original, uh, the plant and a museum and Wurlitzer effectively is, um, pretty non-existent company. Now, you know, their heyday has come and gone. I don't live in, in North Tonawanda near there anymore. I, I'm still in Western New York, but not there. Uh, my brother, ironically, still lives. And it's um, a very, uh, very pleasant little uh, quaint city now. Like you said, uh, not a big population. Um, 30-some thousand people. It's, you know... It's doing better than uh, Niagara Falls, which is just up the road. Niagara Falls, U.S., um, has been hit much harder economically, the loss of industry. But North Tonawanda is a nice little, um, nice little blue-collar community still. Niagara Falls, does that still serve as a center for many weddings, or is that gone too? You don't see it as much. It's no longer the honeymoon capital of the world. Niagara Falls, Canada is beautiful still and completely built up and and just this fantastic area and it's magnificent and there's a touristy area. There's this place called Clifton Hill, which is exactly like Piccadilly Circus in London. Um, I've been to both. I've walked both and they're identical. It's great. But the U.S. side is a pretty depressed, dilapidated area. Outside of its... uh, fairly large casino and the actual park right around the falls themselves. There's very little in the city of Niagara Falls anymore. It's a pretty depressing city. Step by step, Niagara Falls has faded. Don't ask me to repeat that again. You have to actually look it up maybe on YouTube and see how the sketch works because it was done in many different ways with different actors with the same end result. Craziness, Gene, Brian, Tim, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. 
For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You even see it on the news. How are they able to do that? But the common person can. So whether you're a school teacher, a lawyer, a scientist, a millionaire, a billionaire, or whether you're just a regular blue-collar worker, everybody should learn about the legal, lawful loopholes. And we've got an organization and a group that I am so proud to be working with, American Tax Solutions. GCN has a special deal with them to get you the best rates. And here's the most important part. They save you money and then get part of the savings. This is an absolute win-win solution. You've got to give them a call at 855-907-4841 or GCN Tax Cut. That's GCNTaxCut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is an interesting question here. A major source of information about the Mothman in Lake Tonawanda, New York, dates back to the newspapers of the day. Is there any cultural memory like someone says, well, my great-grandfather or my grandfather told me all about this? Not that I have been able to find. I have put out feelers via social media, you know, things like that. I've, I've asked around the Historical Society in North Tonawanda if anybody has any information like that. But sadly, I haven't been able to get anything like that yet. I'm never going to give up on that, though. I say yet. What does Brian Young, to put you in the third person, what does Brian Young think about the Mothman of 1920? I think there was something bizarre that people were seeing, whether it was paranormal or could have been something blown away from one of the factories at the time that just took a while to make its way through town and get away. Um, But I do believe that people saw something that they didn't know what it was and what our minds do when we don't know what it is, we make up what we think it is. (laughs) It's a mothman. It's a native chief. It's a scarecrow. Was the word Mothman used then in the newspapers? No. 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 Uh, the primary description is flying scarecrow, is what it's most commonly referred to. Uh, Mothman, a lot of people have given it the Mothman moniker after the John Keel book. Think of all the things John Keel brought us. He, among, along with Gray Barker, brought us the Men in Black. He, along with Ray Barker, never profited from the Men in Black movies. Hmm. Have you done any other Mothman-like searches? I've always been fascinated with uh, Point Pleasant because I read the Mothman prophecies. Probably the first time I read it, I was 12 years old. And it was one of those books that I, I tell people all the time, as a skeptic, who gets yelled at by 
paranormal researchers and people for being too skeptic. <laughs> that book was a life changer. You know, reading the Mothman prophecies at 12 years old does change your life. Um, and it is to this day, one of the greatest books ever written on any topic of the paranormal. Now, John Keel was a very, very interesting character. I met him oh, yeah. a number of times. I had a really? magazine on UFOs and the paranormal out in the 70s and 80s, and he wrote articles and occasional letters with a very sardonic humor. I met him in New York City. He used to co-host the New York Fortean Society meetings with Tim Beckley. I don't know whether Tim Swartz was ever there or not. I don't no, remember you, Tim. No, you, no. You missed a lot. I had so much fun going to that. It was held on East 30th Street in Manhattan. And there was this Korean deli with a salad bar to which we'd go for an early dinner. Kiel made big hay of Mothman. It was the one book that really, really made him money because they bought it and made a fictional version of it for a motion picture. That did so-so. With Richard Gere playing a composite of a character named John Klein that was partly based on John Keel. So John Keel could go around saying, hey, Richard Gere played me. <laughs> I, I remember when that movie came out, I was so excited because, like I said, it was a game changer, that book. And I went to see the movie, and I was so angry and mad at that movie <laughs> that it just bothered me. Then I watched it about 10 years after it came out. And I actually appreciate the movie for what it is a lot more now than I did at the But, folks, the book is much better. The movie's not horrible. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You know, I was the same way with me. You know, I went, you know, well, well versed in the book and once saw the movie and it's like, oh, what did they do to this thing? But then, you know, like you, I saw it again later and just for, uh, you know, if you go and separate the two, you know, the book it was supposedly based on and then and the movie itself. It does a really good job with that 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 creepy paranoid atmosphere. It does, and gears good in it, uh, which is saying a lot because he's yeah. really not in most of his films. <laughs> well, it's true, it's true, and uh, you know, I mean, I, uh, they bring up some interesting things in the movie, you know, like the the strange phone calls and things like that, which, uh, you know, more than likely, you know, Keel himself was being hoaxed. But in the movie, you know, it's uh, um, 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 Ingrid Cole, who's supposedly, you know, know, making the phone call. Which they combined to part of the book for that, too. Right, right. (laughs) Of course, the legend here is possibly... One of the hoaxers contacting Keel, well, two of the hoaxers were Jim Mosley and Gray Barker, some major figures of the UFO field who, amongst other pursuits, engaged in playing pranks on people. Now, Gray Barker wrote a book about Mothman called The Silver Bridge. Did you ever read that one? I have, yeah. Now, that's, of course, we call that fact fiction. Yes. 
if we're going to be precise about it. But now having spent time reading these books and being interested in Mothman, the real Mothman, what's your take on it? What should we know about it that maybe we didn't know? I, um, <laughs> I, yeah, 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 that's such a tough one. The intellectual side of me says, you know, I think there may have been some kind of large crane that had gotten maybe some uh, nuclear radiation or something on it from the TNT area that kind of made it bigger or deformed, and that's what people might have been seeing. It sounds like the Godzilla theory. Yeah, I mean, it's, you think about the, the TNT area and what we, do we really know to this day what's buried there? So we, we don't. And have you seen some of the creatures in Chernobyl now? Not, not pretty. But the other part of me is like there's so much weirdness that surrounded all the events at once. I think people went into paranormal overload and they started equating things together. I think it's a fascinating legend. I think it's an amazing story. I think it makes for a fun read. I think that people might read a little too much into it, though, connecting everything together. I think if you separate the, the UFO sightings from the Mothman sightings from the, from the bridge collapse you have a better picture of what it was. Trying to put everything together, I think, just muddies the walk. Was that John Keel's fault? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's his fault because his book was so darn good. But it's not his fault because he wasn't going to write three books and three things were happening. Yeah, I mean, let's let let's blame him, but say I don't want to blame him because the book is just too good. Remember too that John Keel subscribed to a unified field theory for UFO phenomena, and that is all these things going on were manifestations of something related to the same thing. Yeah, he did believe that. Um, I. I uh, I, I tend not to uh, to go that far with it. So, well, I think I think though that uh, in the Point Pleasant area at that time, people were still going to see these things, have these experiences, with or without John Keel. Let's do our break here, with or without Gene and Tim and Brian. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences, too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. I'm about to give you a life-changing URL that if you will simply visit it and give these tax consultants a call, it will change your life. Whether you're a blue-collar worker or whether you're a school teacher or whether you're a scientist or whether you're a millionaire, almost no one out there is taking advantage of legal, lawful tax loopholes. Go to GCNTaxCut.com. It takes you right to American Tax Solutions, and they will give you an amazing preview of what they can do for you. GCNTaxCut.com. GCNTaxCut.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Tim Swartz, I'm going to ask you a quick question. 
because of last week's episode featuring James Fox, director of Moment of Contact and the Phenomenon. I know at the time we did the show, although you were familiar with the 1996 UFO crash creature sightings in Virginia, Brazil, have you had since an opportunity to see the film? Yes. Yes, I have. Before we get back to our guest, Brian Young, what's your take on it? Oh, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I I always enjoy James' films. This one, you know, like rather than the phenomena, which covered all kinds of different cases, uh, his his new one just deals with this uh, uh, possible UFO crash and creature sightings and possible capture in, in, in Brazil. So, I mean, I, I think that he really did, you know, I mean, it was just, it was very well done. I mean, you know, he actually did his homework and they, you know, spent years contacting these witnesses and convincing them to come on to camera and to me it says a lot about some of these cases when you have witnesses you know how many years later still saying that yeah you know we had these experiences you know rather than you know like ah no we were just kids <laughs> you know having fun with things it's 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 like the uh, the african sightings uh, with the school children i mean they were interviewed years later after they were adults and and all the ones that they could find still agree that they had an unusual experience so i mean to me to include things like that in his film you know it, it that means a lot and for those who haven't seen moment of contact there's a segment towards the end of the film where james fox and his crew are nearly shot at yeah that's uh that's a powerful scene and 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 once again you know all these years later and this case is still uh evoking these kinds of emotional responses uh from the people who were supposedly involved in it well there's this one where a witness to the actual crash of the ufo guides james and his crew to the location near a house, a white house, not that white house, but a house with the exterior in white. And the first time he does this, he misses the location. Then they hone in on the location. They get to that location. He leaves the vehicle and breaks down in tears, having found it. That was probably the most compelling part of the film. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, to me, it's obvious that we can speculate and try to uh, come up with our, our interpretations on what happened, what actually happened with these people. But all I can say is that uh, it sure seems clear to me that these people had some kind of bizarre experience. Unlike Roswell, where it came and went immediately, and then 30 years later, Everybody's remembering it after Stanton Friedman locates one of the witnesses. There you had memories colored by 30 years of pop culture, the pollution of the Aztec New Mexico episode cited in the book Behind the Flying Saucers by Frank Scully. You had all that polluting everything, 
And it's been difficult over the years to get a good story. Here, the story came out right away, and you had the witnesses that you could trace what they said then to what they said now and get a better linear picture of the events. Yeah, it's always interesting to to see these witnesses, especially you know, like the younger ones after they've grown, just to, like you said, to compare and see if they have come up with any new interpretations of, of their experiences. But it generally all comes back to they agree with their past selves on what they saw. Brian, have you looked at all into any of the reports of possible UFO crashes? A uh, general overview. I mean, obviously the Roswell and, and the Blue Book stuff and, you know, the uh, pop culture crash sites. I've always, uh, you know, read up on, and but I, I have actually. As someone with a skeptical bend, a general interest in the paranormal, let's talk about Roswell. Do you think something happened there? Absolutely something happened there, but was it military or was it alien? That's my question. Um, You know, one of the things growing up where I am or where I grew up is I'm very close to Niagara Falls Air Force Base. So, you know, I would see a lot of weird things that you knew were from the Air Force Base. (laughs) And I'm sure it was even weirder then to people. But, yeah, something definitely happened. Whether it was extraterrestrial or military, that I don't Well, it could be none of the above. True. The thing that bothers me again about Roswell is the fact that the initial memories were retrieved 30 years later. Whereas with Virginia, it's immediate, almost immediate, that we know something has happened there. And that's a huge difference. No, it is. And it, it's... You know, being able to actually talk to eyewitnesses, get their reaction, being able to actually study their reactions to their body language, um, their retelling of the stories. You know, you you can learn a lot more. You can see a lot more. And you're right. It's much more fascinating. Have you ever heard of this case? I have. I oh, have. okay. Yeah, not about it, just... You know, God, I'm even embarrassed saying this, but the YouTube video version of it. That's that's okay. Yeah, Yeah, YouTube is such a mixed bag. You could produce anything on YouTube unless you violate some very severe restrictions. You can just get anything on there and use it as something, which is good and bad. But getting back to Mothman... Now, obviously, we have the newspaper accounts from 1920 that you've relabeled Mothman because of the similarities. The Mothman, the real Mothman, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Their point here is that the UFOs, the crash of the Silver Bridge, and the sightings of this creature were separate incidents. What do you think caused Mothman? Like I said, I think it could have been a, a deformed or, or a mutated crane or other large bird from the area. Uh, and then, then again, it could have been a, a flying cryptid. It could have been, it, it could have been anything. 
But ironically, going back to the Jack the Ripper thing, think about it. Mothman is still such a pop culture icon because of the name given it to it by a journalist. Thanks to the Batman TV series, Mothman was given a name that's... Jack Aha, the, the branding stuff. question. Yep. We'll talk about branding after we hear this branding with Brian, Gene, and Tim, you're in. The Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA Radio News. Police in Chesapeake, Virginia, released a so-called death note written by the gunman Andre Bing sometime before he fatally shot six people at the Walmart where he worked as a supervisor before turning the gun on himself. The gun, by the way, purchased legally before the shooting on Tuesday night. Huawei and ZTE are no longer allowed to sell communications equipment in the U.S. The Federal Communications Commission voted unanimously to approve the new rule. It's also restricting the use of some China-made video surveillance equipment. $9.12 billion spent online during Black Friday, setting a new record, so says Adobe. Sales were up overall on the first day of the holiday shopping season. Award-winning actress and singer Irene Cara has died at her Florida home. The voice behind fame and flash dance What a Feeling was 63 years old. Online at usaradio.com, you're listening to USA Radio News. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline. Airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, there you go, the branding. So we had Flying Saucer, which was a branding that was rather questionable. We have Jack the Ripper, you know, with the British bent. Jack the Ripper, right? Of course, that sounds sensational. We have Mothman. I mean, wow. Look at Wathman. How much of paranormal phenomena is more or as much about the branding as it is about what might have happened? Well, <laughs> I think the branding is super important. Uh, branding is incredibly important to the ones that break out into the mainstream. Without calling something Bigfoot, most people wouldn't know about what Bigfoot was. It was just Yeti or Sasquatch or Skunk Ape. Well, maybe Skunk Ape. But Bigfoot, the branding. Everybody on the street knows what Bigfoot is. Branding is important. But the events themselves would be known to the people that are interested in such things with or without the brand. Which is why, like you said, you'll talk about cases and things that most people would look at you like, I've never heard of that branding, but it's still interesting and fascinating to those who hear about it. Talking about branding and pop culture, there's a cartoon on Netflix called Inside Job, and it jokes about the, the whole groups that are actually controlling the world like the the illuminati and then the the main characters in this cartoon are part of a group that's located in washington dc one of the characters is mothman mothman works in this office environment at this this place that attempts to control the world and uh, he identified himself once in an early episode but whenever he pops up now you just know that that's mothman he's got the red eyes and everything so how about that? Does he have an age and does he have good ratings? <laughs> well, I don't know. Since he's uh, since he's animated, I don't know if that's uh, a union scale or what. Well, then, of course, it's the voiceover specialist who does the voice, if there is a voice. <laughs> well, his, his voice, because in some episodes, he's actually leading a therapist group. And and so he's got, you know, like this very friendly, pleasant, you know, hi, guys, type of voice. 
leading the group to come out with whatever is problem, whatever is bothering them and their their latest attempts to control the world. <laughs> I would put my trust in Moth. That's all I'm saying right now. <laughs> and I would swear my allegiance to Moth. But that just goes to show you, though, how prevalent a lot of this stuff has become in our in our daily lives, I mean, you know, most most people probably have no idea who Mothman is, but if they're, you know, they're watching this cartoon, you know, there he is, red eyes and everything. Well, I think a lot of what we think about Roswell came from uh, pop culture more than the original event. Mothman, certainly. Certainly any of the things in UFO field, as soon as they're covered by the media, subject of a film, a documentary, that takes over. You know, and I'll tell you another thing that helped take over something like Roswell is people my age, you know, j- just around 50 or a little bit under. You know, we were the first generation of people that were working overnight jobs while we were in school. You know, while we were in college, we were working night jobs at gas stations or, or, or stores or things. And what did we do? We all listened to Art Bell because it was the only thing on all night, every night. And it became ingrained in us. People of my generation that worked night jobs all listened to Art Bell. And that helped ingrain this into our mind. The problem with Art Bell, of course, is that he would bring people on because they were entertaining, not so much that they had factual things to offer. I mean, they had one guy on one evening where he claimed to be the guy from the doors. All right. Right? Okay. Jim Morrison from The Doors. And he had a voice that, if we factored the aging of several decades, might be Jim Morrison's. That he faked his death to get out of the rack race, whatever. Of course, it's just like Elvis is still alive. It's just like, what was the name of that film where they have somebody in an alternate reality who knows the Beatles songs and does them and becomes famous? And then towards the end of the film, he meets someone who looks like a shorter version of John Lennon at the age of, what, 70 or something, had he lived. Yeah. (laughs) But I want to hear a completely off-topic story about the doors. Please. I was in my late teens, early 20s. One of my first jobs, I was a guitar technician at a local theater uh, for the concert venue. It's right when the, the, the Doors movie came out. So, of course, and Zarek, Densmore, and Krieger all went on separate tours to capitalize on the, you know, Doors albums all being in the charts again. Robbie Krieger is coming to the theater that I'm working at as the guitar technician. As a guitar player, of course, I'm always excited. Krieger comes into town Shows up early in the day, and we're just sitting around talking. And he says, hey, are there any really good guitar stores around here? And I said, well, there's one. It's only a few miles away. So I take him to this store. And this is where the story gets so... You can't make this stuff up. We walk in. The doors are the hit of the moment again again because of the movie. 
the guy working at the counter at the store is wearing a Doors t-shirt. <laughs> we walk in, me, another guy who worked at the theater, and Robbie Krieger. Krieger says, hey, can I check out any of these guitars? The guy's like, yeah, go ahead. Just let me know. We'll get it off the wall. Plug it in. Krieger sits down and he's playing this one guitar, and it's just beautiful. And he's doing the you know flamenco guitar playing. Guy in the door shirt comes over, standing over us, looks at him and goes, "Dude, you're pretty good. Do you ever think of playing in a band?" <laughs> Krieger looks up, totally stone faced, says, eh, "I just play for fun, you know, around the house." Guy <laughs> leaves. We leave the store. I said, I can't believe you were on his T-shirt. And he said that to you. And he turned to me and said, Brian, what you got to remember is Ray, John, and myself are musicians. Jim was a rock star. Even in the 60s, that would have happened. Jim was the rock star. Wouldn't it have been nice, though? If he had actually played some licks from the Doors with this just, guy wearing the Doors it. T-shirt. Yeah, like, you're on his shirt. <laughs> Your face is on his shirt. And he asked if you've ever played in a band. <laughs> oh. And Very therefore, nice. therefore, we know that people are strange. <laughs> you know, there was a story they told about Queen Elizabeth where she and her bodyguard were out somewhere in a field. And she would get out among the people. She was always protected by this large coterie of people, evidently. And these American tourists come up to her, and they say, do you know, they ask for directions to Buckingham Palace or something. And she gives them directions, and then they say, have you ever met the queen? And she says, no, I haven't, but my bodyguard has. He can tell you stories. And then they leave. And this is just a very brief version of the story. And I'm sure their facts are somewhat wrong. But she says to her bodyguard, when they get home, imagine what will happen when they find out who they were talking to. Yeah. She was like that, but we never really saw that, unfortunately. We have Brian, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out 
theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. For 20 years, I've been an afternoon napper, usually for about 30 minutes, but never longer than an hour. I justified this behavior by observing that animals take quiet times in the afternoon. All five cats go quiet, as does the dog. The chickens all sit quietly under a tree for about 90 minutes every afternoon. The wild birds say nor sing anything during this time. All goes quiet. Since beginning daily use of your way, I've not taken an afternoon nap, nor has the thought of taking one ever entered my mind. I'm single and homeschool my three children. I feel I'm a bit calmer and a bit more alert in managing them since using Green Meadow Way. Finally, I've been tortured with sciatic nerve pain for the last year. After a month on Green Meadow Way, the improvement has been great, and I hope for a complete release from that energy and life-sucking malady. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at. No pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream to the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. This is Jerome Clark, author of The UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. By the way, we'll have the uncensored Brian Young this week on our After the Paracast podcast, available strictly to subscribers of the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus for more info. Right now, Brian is talking to us about a number of interests. We started off with the legend of Jack the Ripper about a possible Mothman sighting from 1920 about his various interests in the paranormal. Amongst all those things, Brian, 
Obviously, a serial killer is not paranormal. Obviously, a strange creature can be something real, but misinterpreted or something we didn't quite understand. Do you think there is any paranormal reality to anything, UFOs, etc.? I would give the answer now that your audience will hate. I don't. I have never seen anything that has made me believe. I'm fascinated by it. I also know people who I trust and would put my, you know, I would put them in, you know, charge of my life. That's swear they've had uh, experiences. People that have never lied to me about anything, and why would they lie to me about this? And they swear they've had experiences. So I'm not going to say it's all BS, but I don't know. Do I want to believe that? I also don't know. Um, I, I think part of me wants to be a believer. I would love tomorrow we find Bigfoot. I would love tomorrow if, you know, the UFO lands on my front lawn. Do you really think you'd love to have a UFO land on your front lawn? It depends on if the probe comes out or not. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking also about the cases where people get close to a UFO and become sick. Remember in Virginia, when someone handled the creature, he got sick and he died. I was a three-pack-a-day smoker for over 25 years. I've quit now, and I've been off cigarettes for years, but, uh, you know, nothing's going to hurt me from a UFO. Okay, because there are instances like the Crash Landrum case from 1980 where a UFO came close to this car, and everybody in the car suffered various degrees of illnesses over the coming years. So, again, can we just say UFOs are dangerous to your health? Wouldn't that be evidence of reality, a negative impact? You would think, but it also could be evidence of where I live has one of the highest cancer rates in all of the world because we buried a lot of nuclear uh, waste here you know a lot of the stuff from the from the manhattan project was buried here this is the area of love canal so when a lot of people get sick with weird illnesses that other people don't get doesn't necessarily mean it's paranormal but in your case at night do we see you glowing in the dark um i hope not i mean that would make me like a dead jedi or something wouldn't it I still remember those fateful words as he stands in front of his son, whose hand has been severed with a lightsaber. I am your father. Yeah, and I'd say, Dad, can I have the keys to the Death Star? If Darth was my dad, I'd be pretty proud. But no, you think I, so? I, I, I think there is a possibility for all of these paranormal. Whether or not they're real, I don't know. I think all of them, there's a possibility. I've just not seen the evidence. Uh, I will not debunk it like a lot of people will and say it's all garbage. I will call out the frauds and the fakes and the fake psychics and the phony mediums, and I love exposing those as fakes and frauds. That doesn't mean it's all fake and fraud. So you got to have an open mind in this field.
Let me ask you about that. Fake mediums. Now, we assume when they're giving a reading, oh, your dead mother wants this. They either did some research or use your body language to do a cold reading. Is that most of it? it yes. It's, it's very obvious when it's done, too, because it's usually so nonspecific. And I, you know, and I don't even mind when it's clearly done for entertainment purposes only. But I also, you know, for those who are into the, the, the unusual and the paranormal and the ghosts and the spiritualism, you know, I don't live too far from Lilydale. So I've grown up hearing that my whole life, too. So, Do I believe there are psychics? I don't think there's ever been any proof of one. Specifically, what kind of evidence must a presumed or alleged psychic produce to make you believe that there's a possibility here? I would want them to be able to replicate what they claim they can do in a completely controlled environment, not controlled to the point where some guys in a lab coat say we've controlled it because we've seen how you can fool them too. But you've got to have experts from not only the fields of science and magic, but also from other fraud, psychics, and um, people. You need group that can totally make sure that there's no manipulation and if they can repeat to a good enough level over and over and over again to the, just prove it to me no one's ever been able to do that people have passed tests but they weren't uh, completely controlled and I've seen where they weren't controlled and, and I've seen people say well that this is how they did it. I can be convinced if you show me the proof. If you do it in a completely controlled environment um, with repeated results that are positive, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But it's not your job to disprove it. It's their job to prove it. Exactly. You know, you can't prove a negative, but they can certainly prove a positive if they have the powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. I don't know if you remember what TV show that came from. I don't. You stumped me. That's what I'm here for. We are here to stump skeptics. Wow. Far out. The Adventures of Superman. Ah, George Reeves, Superman, okay. He, I think, was such a perfect actor for, not a great actor, but he had the twinkle in his eye. And the only other actor, I'm not talking about Christopher Reeve, the only other actor who can kind of do that is the guy who plays him currently, Tyler Hecklin on Superman and Lois. He has that twinkle in his eye. I think he has the vibe. Christopher Reeve was too extreme between Clark Kent and Superman. Anyway... Brian Young, tell our listeners if they want to know more about what you do. Do you have a site or someplace they can go to dig it up? Well, you can check out my podcast, uh, Transatlantic History Ramblings, available on all podcast platforms. Like I said, I my book that came out last year on the, the, the history of pro professional wrestling, The Wrestlers Wrestlers, Masters of the Craft of Professional Wrestling, uh, you can pick that up at Barnes Noble, Amazon.com, or right through ECW Press, my publisher. 
those are probably the best ways to reach out. Um, reach out to Transatlantic History Ramblings, a international history podcast hosted by myself in the U.S. of A. and uh, the great Lauren Davies in Swansea, Wales, U.K. Hey, you can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. While Twitter is still there and you never know. You'll find us on Facebook if you look for the Paracast Fan Club or the Paracast Group. Check out branded merchandise, real branded merchandise. Go to theparacast.shop for the T-shirts and all the good stuff, good quality. And check out the Paracast Plus. The site is theparacast.plus. Sign up in seconds. We feature the After the Paracast podcast, uncensored, unpredictable. And Brian's going to be back on that one. By the way, we also give you this show free of the network ads for a low subscription rate. Go to theparacast.plus, use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, to save 20% on lifetime and five-year subscriptions, theparacast.plus. Brian Young, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, my pleasure. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>